this has been a series called Grow, and we're talking about spiritual growth. And in the Bible, again, uh, the Bible equates uh, natural growth and spiritual growth as kind of parallel. So the Bible mentions three stages of spiritual growth, mentions babyhood or infancy, and we mentioned some things that, that get, kind of show what that looks like uh, one week, and then the Bible mentions the childhood stage of spiritual development, and we looked at some things that show what it looks like to be a spiritual child, and then adulthood, and we looked at some things that talk about adulthood. Last, last week, the Holy Spirit moved. How many think it's good to let him do what he wants to do? So sometimes he'll manifest himself. We had a great time, so uh, uh, it was awesome, but I, I was going to preach this last week, but he took over, and I'm glad. And uh, we let him do that every chance he wants to. Is that okay? Yes. So this week, though, I, I want to start back with this seven things that enhance your spiritual growth. Now, unlike natural growth, you know, Susan and I have four children. And, you know, basically with a child, you feed it, take care of it, pay it some attention, and it just naturally grows. You change the clothes sizes, the diaper sizes, yada, yada, yada. Spiritual growth is not exactly the same way. Spiritual growth is really up to us. That is, a, a child naturally is programmed to grow with DNA, but you know, you're, you sh- we should grow, but spiritual growth has to do with our, with our desire, our yearning, and how much we're willing to go after God. So uh, it has a lot more to do with us than it does with the Lord. So the responsibility for our spiritual growth rests on us. Deuteronomy thirty nineteen New Living Translation says this today, I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and curses, God says to his old covenant people. Therefore, um, now I call um, on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would cho- choose life, he says, that you and your descendants might live. So it's really up to us. We can grow as quickly or we can kind of slack off spiritually. It's really up to us. Over the years, you know, I've seen, I've seen people that have known the Lord for a long period of time, but they're just kind of stymied. They're stalemated. Things just aren't progressing. Really, that's up to us. And I've seen others who seems like, you know, they, they've just come to the Lord in recent times, but you know what? They apply themselves so much that they seem just to, to surpass and go beyond uh, those that perhaps have known the Lord for years. Really has to do with our focus and it has to do with the hunger that we respond to that God gives all of us. How many know, how many want to be responsible? to grow and give God all you can. So I've been encouraging this series, really, don't stay where you are. Uh, expect to change, expect to grow, you know, day by day, week by week, month, month by month. And I've said this so many times, let me say it again. I'm not satisfied with where I am today. Are you? I like that. I like you, guy. Yeah, I'm not either. And I just want to encourage you, don't be satisfied with where you are. Uh, the Apostle Paul said, forgetting the things that are behind, reaching forth, stretching to what is before. So there's so much that we don't know. There's so much, uh, there's so much God has for each one of us. But, you know, we really have to pursue it. I ask God to keep a hunger in me all the time. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. And, you know, naturally speaking, one of the, um, one of the keys that lets you know you're doing okay physically is you're hungry. And, uh, you know, one of the things when you're not doing well physically, one of the first things that goes, your hunger. So hunger says a lot to us, doesn't it? So what's, what are you hungry for? Our hungers spiritually define us. So be, ask God to make you hungry. So seven things today that enhance your personal spiritual growth. Let me also say before I get to this, uh, there is no growth without change. So growth is not a nebulous thing. Say, well, how do I know if I'm growing? Well, ask yourself this question. Have I changed in the last month? 
Have I changed in the last two months? Have I changed from last year to this year? If you can't answer that positively, you may have stymied in your relationship with the Lord. And God may be calling you back to your first love. And that's an encouragement for all of us. So again, change, uh, spiritual growth means spiritual change. And growth means change really in every area of life. So here's seven things here. Let's go through it and uh, we should get through this. And I'll conclude the series this week. And we'll move on to other things. Number one, seven things that enhance your personal spiritual growth. Number one, the Bible, fill in the blank, must be at the center of your spiritual growth. Now, let let me mention the word spiritual at the outset here. The word spiritual is used really loosely in America today. I mean, I, I hear it constantly as I'm reading and listening to things, you know, like you do. But, uh, and you've heard the same thing. Somebody said, well, I just had such a spiritual experience because I was in the mountains and I was on top of a mountain and saw the valley and saw the beautiful tree cha- uh, changes on the leaves of the trees, yada, yada. It was such a spiritual experience. Or I, or I went to this, this country and had a spiritual experience. Or I was with this person. We had such a spiritual Y'all have heard that recently? I you know, but but that's that's a bit nebulous and really not completely correct. What the person's saying was they were they were they were really impacted and affected by this, that, or the other. Spiritually speaking, however, we can be spiritually impacted, and anything that has to do with spiritual impact in our lives, listen to this, has to do with the Bible. Yes or no? Absolutely. In fact, um, I've said this so many times that it bears repeating. Back, man, this is a uh, 30-something years ago, I picked up one of E.W. Kenyon's books called New Creation Realities, the first chapter, first sentence, and no kidding, read the first sentence, had to lay the book down. I, I mean, just, I just folded it up so I can't go any further. Because here's the first sentence of the book. Our attitude towards the Word, there it is, determines the place that God holds in our daily life. Whoa. Now, now tell me that don't affect you. Does it affect you? So it makes me think, what am I doing? God, what am I doing with your word? Is, is your word important? Is your word important to me? If God's word is not important to me, he is not important to me. Some think about it and it gets quiet. So, so here's the, the, the phenomenon of the 21st century, particularly in the church in America. We've got a lot of people that want to put experience above the word. And we have even churches uh, built on the, on the moving of the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit moved in our service last week. I was going to preach this last week, but God had other plans for me, which is just fine. That doesn't happen every week. doesn't happen all the time because God wants his word to be received by his people. And, and one of the ministries of the, uh, of the church is, the, is the, that of a teacher, Ephesians chapter 4 says. So, again, put the word first. Now, I've always done this all my life. Kenneth Hagin, I cut my spiritual teeth on his teachings uh, back in the 70s then attended one that's one of the schools I went to was this school and he always said this put God's word first in your life and then he said put the Holy Spirit second and then put feelings last now see some people when I say that it's kind of what put the Holy Spirit say yes if you don't put the Holy Spirit second in your life see how quiet it gets if you don't put the Holy Spirit second then see, that opens up a person, if they want to put the Holy Spirit first, that opens that person up to deception. Because there's all kind of voices. 
All kind of things that you can hear. And if you're wanting a moving of the Spirit in your own life or in a church and a ministry, you know, put the, and you don't put the Word first, you don't know if it's the Holy Spirit or deceiving spirits. How many hear what I'm saying? Now, I've been in this a long time, y'all, and I've seen people that were so excited about the moving of the Holy Spirit and so excited about spiritual gifts and this and that and the other. Well, that's all wonderful, but, but see, you've got to put God's Word first so you can know if the Holy Spirit's speaking to you or not. How many know He'll never speak apart from the Word? Anything He says will be in agreement with the Word. So I've had people over the years come up to me and said, the Lord, well, the Lord spoke to me. I, I, honestly, I'm not kidding. I've had people sitting in front of me, a man, I'm thinking of a man years and years ago. He said, well, the Lord's leading me to divorce, divorce my wife. I said, well, is there adultery or something? He said, no, I just don't, I think she's not the one for me now. I said, wait, 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 you, 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 you think the, the Lord is telling you that? Oh, oh, yeah, absolutely. I said, you're deceived. He didn't like what I said. Because he wanted to think that's what the Lord was saying because he was aggravated and upset with his wife. But how many know again, to, to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, you got to know the voice of the Word first. How many hear me? So, 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 so this is God speaking to me. Everybody say, the Bible is God speaking to me. So when's the last time you listened to what he had to say, right? So he's got a lot to say. So here's the deal. If I'm not listening to what he already said, then I'm not a candidate to listen to things he wants to say to me personally and specifically, right? So what does the Bible say about my job, my marriage? What does the Bible say about uh, my relationships? What does the Bible say about my body? What does the Bible say about my words? What does the Bible say about the various intricacies of life? That's what I need to be paying attention to first of all. How many would agree with that? Then if I'm listening to that, I'm a candidate for the Holy Spirit to go into a second phase of ministry to me. If I'm listening to the, uh, the, the living word, the Bible, and I'm listening to what he's saying, I'm reading it, I'm thinking about it, I'm seeking to let it be a part of me, then when the particulars of life come, such as where do I work? Do I work here or do I work there? Do I work for this company? Do I start my own? Or do I marry this person or do I marry that person? Or, or, or what do I do about this or that? Or do I live here or do I live there? What about this? See, that's not in the Bible. That's where you got to depend on the Holy Spirit to minister to you on the inside. But we're not a candidate for him to speak in the gray areas if we're not listening to this first. Is that good? And in America, it's amazing that we have so many people that go to, I like you, whoever you are. I like this guy. Yeah. This guy's glad to be in church. I'm glad you're here. But you know, it's amazing. So many people go to church. So many people have Bibles, but so few do what it says. Because if they did, it'd make a difference. How many hear me? So it's one thing to hear it, another thing to practice. And it's when we practice it, that's when we really begin to change. So again, the Bible must be at the center of your spiritual growth. First Peter 2, I mentioned this many for several weeks. Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, all evil speaking. As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, notice that you may grow thereby. What, what, what happens when I feed, I like to call it feeding on the word, the Bible. I grow spiritually. That's what the scriptures reveal. Jesus said, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You say it this way, the way food feeds 
your physical body and gives you energy to do the tasks that you perform each day. So the word of God, when you ingest the word, it gives you spiritual energy to live on the spiritual plane and do spiritual things throughout the day. So the same way food feeds my body, the word feeds my spirit. So it's possible to be all fed up, eat too much physical food, but not enough spiritual food. And if you don't eat the spiritual food, how many know you will sense the lack? And then when the world, the flesh, the devil... You know, come at you and, hind- and want to hinder your life in God. You may not have the resources unless we've been feeding on the Word, just like we do natural things. You know, I exercise, I cycle for exercise on the Noose River Trail. I have to make sure that I've had plenty of carbohydrates before I go because I'm a fairly, not, you know, average, averagely skinny person. And if I don't eat enough, I get, if I go out there for a couple of hours, I, I mean, I, I don't have any energy left and I have to take food with me. So I make sure, I make sure that I've eaten well before. And, and so, see the same thing holds true if i want to be effective today spiritually what am i do what am i giving jesus am i feasting on the manna from heaven am i taking the word the spiritual food that i need so i'll be spiritually strong today how many know you don't know what comes up every day how many would agree that you don't know what challenges what temptations what tests are coming your way in fact ab simpson have said this many times a wonderful man of god has said the veil that hides our future is woven by the hand of mercy. God, I want to always show you everything that's ahead of you. That's the reason we need to be ready, right? So keep yourself fed spiritually. Second uh, Timothy three sixteen and 70. I love this verse. It says all scripture. Everybody say all scripture. Is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration. Everybody say inspiration. Now, let me say before we go any further, well, the Bible that we have is, is, has 66 books, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, and we call this the infallible Word of God. We call this the inspired Word of God. Let me say there are other Bibles. In fact, uh, the Catholic Bible has the Apocrypha in it. If you have a Bible that has those 14 books that we call the Apocrypha, we don't believe that the Apocrypha is inspired writings because those 14 books in the center of some Bibles, uh, those books, the, the matter within, the reading, the writing within those those materials disagrees with the rest of the Bible. And one thing that makes the Bible unique is it was written over a period of about 1,600 years, 40 different authors, all the way from uneducated to the most educated in various cultures. And, and uh, the miracle is not, not one of the passages of the Bible disagrees with each other in the original manuscripts. How many had heard what I just said? So we as believers call the Bible inspired. So he said here, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. Everybody say inspiration. Now, now the Greek word there literally means the Bible is God-breathed. Theopanustos, it means means God-breathed just as much. This is just as much the word of God as if if God was standing face-to-face with me, carrying on a conversation, and I can feel his breath on my face as he's speaking words. That's how much the Bible is the word of God. How many believe that? So, So we believe that. Question is, do we practice and act like 
that's true. If that's really true, then I need to listen to what he has to say. The Bible won't tell you how to fix your car. The Bible won't tell you how to fix a piece of machinery at the place that you work. But the Bible will tell you how to live life. It will tell you how to have successful relationships. It will tell you how to have a relationship, how to, how to have a relationship with the Father. And it'll tell you what right living looks like. How many think it's a manual for living? Absolutely true. So God's word, all scripture is given by inspiration for God, of God, he says here. And it does four things. It's for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Let's go over that real quickly here. The scriptures do four things for us from that passage of scripture. What does it do? Number one, the scripture provides doctrine. Everybody say doctrine. That's just another word for teaching. That is, it shows you the way to live. So what happens when you read the Bible? It challenges me. It challenges what I'm thinking. It challenges how I'm living. It challenges how I'm treating myself. It challenges me as to how I treat others. It challenges every area of life. The Bible is a book of doctrine or teaching, and it does that to show us the way to go. So how do I treat Susan in my marriage? How do I treat my friends? How do I treat people that are mean to me? What, what do I do with my words? What do I do with my thinking? What do I do with my body? What kinds of relationships should I have across the board in life? What kind of work ethic should I have? See, the Bible has teaching. It has doctrine. It shows us the way. And my experience, as sure you've had the same experiences, I read the Bible if I'm out of the way, if I'm not on the right path and I read, then, then the Holy Spirit's going to say, are you doing that? How many hear what I'm saying? So doctrine, number two, reproof. The, the scriptures are for reproof. Now the Greek word there literally means to knock you down, literally to take your legs out from under you. That is, you're living a certain way. And the scriptures do reprove us. How many know that sometimes it's good to, it's good to hear something that challenges you? How many know unless we grow? How many, know you, how many are thankful for your parents who wouldn't let you stay in the wrong thing but challenged you age appropriately? How many think that's wise? Yeah, God does that. Well, the scriptures are, are they give us reproof. That is, they bring conviction, so, so to speak. They knock the legs out from under and say, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Why are you thinking that way? What are you saying? What are you doing with that person? Hey, hey, what about me? What God say, what about your relationship with me? It produces conviction. How many hear that? Let me share this again. Years ago, I had a, had a, a, a guy, he really suffered from PTSD. He was a veteran, and he was on the couch in my office in the other building. And he's, him and his wife came to talk to me about their marriage and such. And, and i never forget, he said, he said, can I ask you a question? I said, sure. He said, uh, he said why do I feel so bad when I come to your church? I said, wait, wait a minute, wait. You feel bad? He said, and he didn't know what was going on. He said, yeah, I sit and I come to your church. I just feel bad. And I just listened to him a little bit. I said, you know what that is? That feeling bad that you're speaking, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And that conviction shows that God loves you and he's pulling you away from the lifestyle you've been in and he wants to help you grow and help you change, help you be different. That's really a good thing. And so the scriptures are for teaching. They are for conviction or reproof. Then number three, correction. What does that mean? Well, the scriptures don't just knock you down and, you know, knock your legs out from under you and say, whoa, whoa, what are you doing? They show you the way to go. And that's correction. Picks you up, the scriptures dust you off, 
places you on a forward path, shows you exactly what to do to change behavior. So when I think about the correction that the scriptures provide, think about it, think about it like this. They don't tell you, they, they show you the way. They show you where you are and where you may be missing it. But, you know, it's sort of like people uh, in our culture that work with our currency. And maybe, maybe, you know, there are people that work for the government that uh, deal with counterfeiting. And they're looking for those that counterfeit our, our hard currency. And uh, so what do they do? Do they go all over the world? Or do they study all the various currencies of all the, all the nations world? Well, no, no, no. They just take the dollar, the $5 bill, the $1 bill, the 10 the 20, the 50, the 100, you know. And they look at them and they know them so well so, so that if the fault comes, they know it immediately. And see, that's what the scripture does. It shows you. It's the infallible rule of faith and practice. It shows you exactly what you should be doing. And so correction goes, number four is instruction in righteousness. Not only does it show you the way to go, it gives you a plan to change. So here's my encouragement. I've been doing this for a long time now. Um, in reading the Bible, how many know all of the Bible is, is, is for you? Would you agree with that? But not all of the Bible is to you. If you go look at any of my Bibles, I read a lot on my iPad because I've got a Bible program that has lots of different translations. But any hard copy Bible I have, here's what you'll notice. If you go look at my Bibles... Uh, I'll go take them off and let you see. The, the, the pages that are worn the most are the epistles, the letters written to the church, because all of the Bible is written for me, and I read through the Bible every year, but not all of the Bible is written to me. The epistles are. Epistle means letters. So like from 1 Corinthians all the way through Jude, that whole section of the New Testament, those are epistles or letters written to the churches. And you'll find things in those letters you won't find anywhere else in the whole Word of God. Not that the rest of it is not important. It is. But see, those are written specifically to you. They show you how to live. They show you what kind of attitudes we're to have. Those, these, the, the epistles show us how to relate to each other in marriage, how to relate to each other, the opposite sex. They teach us how, what kind of words we should use, what kind of, what kind of uh, worker we should be, what kind of neighbor we should be. They tell us all of the things that are, that are particular to personal, daily, practical life. So for me, I mean, I, I make sure every single month I read through the epistles. In fact, in my Bible reading, I read Old Testament. I read a Psalm or Proverb every day. I read New Testament, but I read the epistles through. I make sure every single month, and I spend more time there than anywhere else. My favorite, I love 1 Corinthians. I love Romans. I love Ephesians, Colossians. I spend a lot of time there because it talks to me about how I should be living, things that I should value, things that I should not be participating in. Again, the scriptures are instruction in righteousness. The Greek word here for instruction is the same word in the New Testament for the instruction of children. And uh, you instruct a child. You don't say, well, do this. You say, well, I want you to go pick this up. I want you to take it over here, drop it over here. Here's how you clean the bathroom. You get this, you do that. Here's how you clean the kitchen. Here's how you help mama cook. Here, here's how you cook your own breakfast. Here's how you clean the yard. Here's how you keep your room clean. And you show them how to do it, right? Well, the scriptures do that for us when we read them. So again, the scriptures do four things. They teach us. They convict us. They correct us, then they show us 
They show us instruction in righteousness, practically show us how to do life. How many think that's kind of cool? Let's move on here. Number two, develop a consistent Bible reading plan. We're talking about seven things that enhance spiritual growth. Number two, develop a consistent Bible reading plan. Let me ask you a question. What would happen to your lifestyle if you made a choice to read a book about life wisdom every day? Would that change you? How many know the Bible is a book about life wisdom? Would you get wiser if you read that book every single day? Of course you, of course you would. Proverbs 3, I love this, 1 and 2. My sons, writing to his son, my son, do not forget my law. Let your heart keep my commands. And look what happens if you listen to God's wisdom. He says, for length of days and long life and peace Will they add to you? Notice again what happens if you let the wisdom of God come into your life every day. Length of days and long life are two different things. Length of days means that every hour you're productive. Length of days means God gives you wisdom on how to be productive with the time that you give, uh, that, that you have. How many know you just, you, just have, you just have 24 hours a day and God wants us to make the most of every minute of every hour? How many believe that? Well, the, uh, the scripture says here, he'll give you length of days, that is, give you productive days, and then long life. I did a study years ago, because a lot of people have the idea that, well, your life is kind of set a certain way, you're born on a certain day, and you're set to die. When I was a little boy, I thought, well, I have a day that I'm going to die. Well, that's true, but it's, let me say this, at my study, I found out that day is not set in concrete. There's some things that you can do to expand your life, to lengthen your life. There's also some things that we can do that shorten our lives. The scripture says here, if you pay attention to the word, length of days and long life and peace, they will add to you. Well, I know a lot of people that don't know the Lord. I know people that wouldn't have anything to do with God. They live a long time. But how many know it's one thing to live, it's another thing to have peace while you live? Huh? And you can't create peace on your own. Peace comes from the Lord. And so again, develop a consistent Bible reading plan. Psalm 90 verse 12, this is interesting. So this is King James Version. Teach us to number our days. You look up the Hebrew word for number our days, or this was originally written in Hebrew. You could also translate this, so teach us to organize our time that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. What is he saying there? Make sure that in your day, you provide yourself an opportunity to tap into God's wisdom. That is, order your day in a way that you include God's wisdom in your day. If you do, it'll give you length of days. It'll give you long life. Here he says, teach us to number our days or organize our time that we may apply our hearts unto to wisdom. So let me talk again. I've mentioned this in a previous lesson, but let me say it again. I, inc- I can't encourage you enough to develop a consistent Bible reading plan. The Bible, look, this is a big book, 66 books. I mean, lots of writing, lots of stuff, uh, lots of history, lots. It's way over your head, right? And so why, why read a book like that? Well, because it's God's wisdom. But here's what I found as a young boy. I found out, you know, let's just parallel it to this. You know, if you've got a Whatever your vocation is, your boss may come and say, you know, I I want you to have 30-day goals, 60-day goals, 90-day goals, six-month goals, annual goals. Why, Why do you have goals in your occupation? Because goals aid the human mind with motivation, yes or no? 
If you have a goal, you know, I got to get up and I got to get this done today and this done next week and that. If you've got a goal, it motivates you. Goals motivate the mind. And so having a Bible reading goal, what will it do? It'll organize you and it'll motivate you to read this great big book. So have a Bible reading plan. There's no excuse for it now not to have one. Most of the Bibles you buy today, even if it's a hard copy, got one in the back. Or, you know, you can find a lot of them online. Uh, version, the one I mentioned earlier, it's got lots of Bible reading plans. I noticed a bunch of you are reading, reading some of them. I got one, Susan and I, when we attended one of the Bible schools we went to, uh, Victory Bible Reading Plan. Read, it, read, you read the Old Testament chronological order according to sequence of events. You read a psalm or a proverb every day. You go through the psalms a couple of times a year, and you go through the proverbs regularly. And then you all also read a New Testament passage every single day you read the Bible through in a year well I started doing that back in my early 20s and you know what it did it motivated me to just keep reading and that's what and that's why you need a plan read variety and so I just encourage it um when you read the Bible, you know, I, took, I told you I took speed reading courses in my, in my um, uh, education, and I like to speed read things that are not the Bible. When it comes to the Bible, I slow down. I never speed read the Bible, ever, 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 ever. I slow it down, and I just read real slow. And then, and then, and then you train yourself when you read the Scriptures. Um, train yourself to ask yourself questions. Here's some questions I ask myself. Is there something I need to personally change as a result of reading that? Is there something I need to stop doing that I am doing? Um, after reading. There's just something I need to start doing that I'm not doing, right? Do I need to change? Is there a motive that's wrong? Is there a motive that, that's skewed? Is there some sin I need to repent of? When I'm reading, and often I just have to stop and say, you know, God, you're dealing with me right here. We've we got to talk about this. I usually read my Bible before I pray because it gives you the energy, spiritual. The Bible itself will give you spiritual energy. And then you'll be able to pray out of the word that you read. If you pray first, it's sometimes a hollow kind of praying. But if you'll read and then pray, you'll notice a big difference. Number three, challenge your relationships. Seven things that enhance spiritual growth. Number three, challenge your relationships. Be willing to change the ones that hold you back. This is the uh, classic amplified, 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I love this. Do not be deceived or misled. Now, if you've got somebody that starts out saying, do not be deceived and misled, well, what's the obvious? You could be deceived and you could be misled. So, his, he, so he says, evil companionships, communion, associations, corrupt and depraved good manners and morals and character. Wow. So what's he saying? The people you hang around will affect you. How many know that's true? Here's what I found out just as a young believer in the Lord in the mid-1970s. Here's what I found out. Everybody that goes to church doesn't have good motives. Now, I think the best of all of you, I think you got angel wings and halos. But the facts are, not everybody that comes to a church, regardless of the church you attend, may have good motives. In fact, I found out, I found out that, that sometimes there are people that have themselves in mind when they come to a church. So I had to figure it out real quick, you know. I figured out they're predatory women, and there are predatory men in every church. Yes or no? Now, I'm praying them all out of here. But I'm just telling you, you take the lump sum whole. And so I figured out I got to be careful when I'm relating to women. Uh, and, and then I've got to be careful with the guys that I relate to. And I found out, I I found out some women don't have the best, my best interest at heart. In fact, in fact, um, I came to the Lord 
And, uh, and I've told you this before, it bears repeating that the first girl I ever dated in my whole life, uh, I broke up with her and make a long story short, I came to Jesus right after that. And this later on, a year or so, two years later, she found out where I was going to church. We had a Thursday night church service. I don't know how she found out, but she did. And uh, I come out of church one Thursday night and I was also going to Bible school in that church, had a Bible school college in it, and, uh, and I was walking out the door, and there she was, right in the parking lot, right when I come out the building. And she rolled the window down, and the first thing she says is, don't you want to go out with me? And without even thinking, I said, as long as I live, I'll never go out with you again. Now that's, you know. Did I upset her? Absolutely. Am I glad I did? Absolutely. You know why? I wouldn't be here today. You know how many, how many people I know that have been side, have been side, laid by the wayside because of wrong relationships with the opposite sex? Do you know how many? I've been to Bible school, we've been to three Bible schools, and you just don't know all of the people over the years in the churches I've been to because they just had to have that girl or she had to have that boy. It messed them up. Be careful with your close associations. How many hear me? And then, and then, you know, I found out, you know, just come to the Lord. I'm, I'm fellowshipping with people. And, and here's a guy, he seems like a great guy, but you know what? But you know what? He doesn't have spiritual interest as the top number one most important thing in his life. He does all these other things, and some of us are a little wrong. And I get to talking to this guy, and I'm thinking, you know, if I hang out with him a whole lot, he's going to dampen my spiritual zeal for God. I need to be careful with this. A lot of people come to church, but not everybody has the same zeal for God that you should have. How many hear me? So I made a decision right then. I've got to be careful with my personal friendships. Listen, some people are one friendship away of really having an experience with the Lord. Do you know there could be one person in your life that holds you back, that holds you down, that keeps you from being all God wants you to be. Sometimes you've got to lope those kinds of things off. That's not comfortable and it's not easy. But how many know it's also necessary sometimes? How many hear what I'm saying? So I encourage my children. I was careful with my children. I was careful with the kinds of friends that they hung out with. I was careful, oh, ever so careful when they hung out with people and going to spend the night with somebody. I better know something about that family when they were young is what I'm talking about. How many hear me? Because the people you hang around with are the people that you will act like. In fact, I read this in a book years ago by J. Oswald Sanders called Spiritual Leadership. He said, person you are five years from now is determined by the, by the um, books you read and by the friends you entertain. Interesting, right? So here's an acronym for friends. Forgive you. They respect you. They inspire you. They encourage you. They nourish you. They defend you. They support you. Isn't that good? So make sure you got right friendships. Uh, we may, do some, may need to do some homework on that. Number four, develop a method of reading a variety of books and take notes. It's amazing. I'm going to say it again. I've said this before. It's amazing to me how many people, once they graduate from college, they quit reading. Never stop reading. I read my Bible, but I also read books. In fact, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, uh, the apostle Paul told Timothy, bring the books, especially the parchments. And he was talking about the scriptures. He was also talking about books that were written by spiritual men of yesteryear who could feed into his spiritual life. So I have always, all of my life, y'all, just because you get out of college doesn't mean that you should quit learning. How many hear me? We should be ever learning. You won't learn unless you read. How many hear me? Smart people read, huh? 
Other people just simply exist. But if you want to be spiritually smart, be a reader. Here's what I encourage you. Have at least two books going at any one time in your life. I always have my Bible. I read my Bible first every morning. But I always have at least and always have two books Find good spiritual books. We've got some hard copy books out here in the small little book section we have out there, but there are lots of great books. I can give you, a, I can give you encouragements of which ones you may want to read first if you're interested in that. But nonetheless, have two books going at any one time. Why? Variety is as restful to the mind as variety in food is to the body. How many heard what I just said? That's why you read Scripture. You read Old Testament, New Testament, Psalm, Proverb every day, but then read books. And I encourage two different books. A lot of people to start a book but never finish it. I won't ask for a show of hands of how many start reading a book and never finish the thing. Well, you know, why is that? Well, you know, you just got to discipline yourself. Here's what I get up, I read, I read the Word. Once I've read the Word, I always have two, at least two uh, all my life. Now I've got six or seven, but used to just two. Started with two. And I'll read, if it's a long chapter, read half a chapter. If it's a, long, if it's a short chapter, read the whole chapter. And always underline with various colors of markers. Underline, underline with a pen or whatever. Keep, you know, uh, earmark the page, just whatever. I've always done that. And then also take notes. Why? I want to remember what I read. I want to remember where it is. So, so anytime I read a book, I won't read a book I can't mark up. I mark up my Bible. Throw it away if you can't mark it up. Right? And so why do you do that? Well, you go back and read it. So I go back the next day and I maybe read another book. I read a half a chapter, underline, take notes, you know, whatever, highlight. But then you go back, you put them back on the shelf when you're through with the book, pull it off the shelf and look at the highlighted places. You won't believe, you'll be amazed at how, how many times the Holy Spirit will bring that stuff back to your mind, particularly when you're in a hard place. How many hear what I'm saying? So uh, I started this way back years ago, back in 1983, and it's proved uh, to be a, a worthwhile thing. Develop a method for reading a variety of books. Think of it again. Variety is as restful to the mind as variety of food is to the body. A lot of people are interested in spiritual things because they don't make themselves interested. How many know you gotta make yourself interested? You gotta ask God, God help me, give me a hunger. Do the natural things necessary by giving motivation and by, by setting goals. Read your Bible through in a year. Read some books, it'll really help. Number five, look for ways to practice what you read. Now it's one thing to read, it's another thing to look for ways to put it into practice. John 14, 26, Jesus said this, but when the Father sends the advocate, the Holy Spirit, as my representative, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will do what? Remind you of everything I've told you. So here's the way it is. If I'll put it in, he'll pull it out. Let me say this, sometimes, sometimes when you're reading the Bible or reading books. Sometimes some days you just blase, you have those days. You don't feel like you're getting anything out of it. You just think, well, I'm just going through the motions. Well, go through the motions. It's okay. Some day it's, sometimes it's okay to feel like you're going through the motions. Do it. It's good discipline. You know what I found out though? I found out the days that I feel like I'm getting nothing, I, 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 I hardly can believe it. A few days later, maybe a week later, or a month later, something I read way back in, it comes back. I didn't even know I remembered it, but the Holy Spirit, because I put it on the inside, he brought it up during a time of need. Marilyn Hickey, a wonderful woman of God in her 80s now, she said often when you're reading the, book, reading the Bible or reading spiritual things, it's sort of like you're canning. You know, my mother, we had a garden all my life, you know, until I, we left home. But uh, my mom would you spend a lot of time canning in the summertime, all kinds of vegetables. Well, we canned because we couldn't eat them all that day. 
But you know, in the wintertime, when you can't grow anything, sure is good to get those fresh veggies out of that jar and pop that top and stick them and cook them. Isn't it great? So lots of times, spiritually, you might not get anything out of it today, but you're canning. You're, you're giving it as a reservoir for something in the future. The Holy Spirit brings to mind, uh, brings to our remembrance what we read. And so, again, look for ways to practice what you read. James, the practical half-brother of Jesus, don't just listen to the Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word, don't obey. It's like glancing at your face in a mirror. He says, you see yourself, you walk away. Forget what you look like, but if you look carefully in the perfect law that sets you free and do what it says, don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Throughout my day, I've often just taken scripture. Some, for years and years and years, particularly when I was young, I'd take a scripture a day. And if I had idle mental time, i put that scripture in my mind. And I was amazed at how many times, because I read the word every day, and because I, I just made myself do what I need to do, even when I didn't feel, feel like it, over and over again, the Holy Spirit would bring to remembrance scripture as I was in a tough place in life or I was at a junction and had to make a decision. And I could either make my decision or God's decision. I could either do it right or do the flesh thing. And, uh, you know, it's just amazing. If you'll put it in, he'll help you put it into practice. How many believe that? Number six, ask the Holy Spirit to nudge you to change your habits. How many know he changes us? Now, let me just put this disclaimer on this. God, when you first come to Jesus, how many know he doesn't change everything about you all at once? Aren't you glad? Because it overwhelmed you, you couldn't handle it. What does it do? It comes in your life, cleanses you from sin, lets you know the freedom of forgiveness, and then one step at a time, he leads us. In fact, Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, perhaps said it best in Isaiah 28, 10, for it's line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little. Aren't you glad that God gives you space and grace to change? He doesn't change you all at one time, but at a little bit at a time, he'll deal with one area. When I came to Jesus, I've told you, one of the first things he dealt with me about was my mouth. I had a potty mouth. I used to curse like a sailor. And I mean, just terrible, whatever that means. And I would just, it was awful. And uh, God dealt with my mouth. He, he dealt with anger in my life. He dealt with, dealt with gossip in my life. And, and on and on and on, just one thing at a time. Generally and usually, Ephesians 4, listen to this. The Apostle Paul says it this way, that you put off... Concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He says two things there. He says put off the old man. He talks about the person we were before we were in Christ as the old person. And then he talks the pers- about the person that, we be- that comes alive in Christ as the new person. So he says, take off the old, put on the new. How many know that's the process of change? And to do that, let me just encourage you, ask God to change you. Say, Father, I give you permission, various areas of my life that you're displeased with that I can't see. We're often blind to our own stuff. And if you'll say, Father, I can't see what I need to change, but if you'll help me then I want to do it. If you'll do that, God will highlight some area of your life. He'll begin to change you a little bit at a time. Uh, here's, a, here's a good illustration that God gave me years ago. In John chapter 11, you know, Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. He had been dead four days. He was a personal friend of Jesus and the disciples. And 
he died, and in the uh, normal Jewish custom, they buried him uh, in, a, in a cave and put a rock in the place of it. Jesus came four days later, and Jesus, you know, basically raised Lazarus from the dead. He told the disciples to roll the stone away, and they say, it's going to stink real bad if we do it. He said, do it. And then Jesus just made a statement. Lazarus, well, he prayed, said, Father, thank you that you always hear me. Then he said, Lazarus, come forth. And the Bible says, he that was dead came forth bound in grave clothes. Now, now let me, I don't know what you think when I say that. Let me tell you what it looked like. Everybody look at this, and I know you can't look if you're listening on an MP3. But, but when he came out of that grave, here's what he did. Everything was stiff. His legs were stiff. His fingers were stiff. And he walked like this. He walked like a man that had no joints. Why? Because when the Jews embalmed a person, they didn't have embalming techniques we have today. They just wrapped them in strips of cloth with resin and various spices on them, aromatic spices, to, you know, to mask the smell of death. And then they would wrap the fingers, the hands, the arms, the torso, the legs, the feet, the toes. Everything's wrapped individually. And so when Lazarus come out of the grave, Jesus looked at his disciples and they're all, you know, peeking out from behind the bushes. And he says, he says, hey, loose him and let him go. Now, that seems simple. Do you know what that process meant? They had to get those individual strips of cloth and start tearing them off. So you got skin on, how many know you got, you got hair on the back of your hands? Yeah, you got skin on it too. So they're pulling, and the whole time they're pulling, they're pulling skin, they're pulling hair. You imagine that hurt? And Lazarus is probably saying, stop, ow, wow, that hurts, quit, stop. And they say, well, we got to get you free. And they just kept doing it. It was a painful process. It wasn't easy. It may have took several hours, but they eventually unwound him. And that's what our life is like in Christ. We're wrapped in the grave clothes of the old person. And we have all of these habits and idiosyncrasies that are unlike Christ. And a little bit at a time, he's loosing us and letting us go. Is that good? So ask God to change your habits. And lastly, activate uh, God's power for daily living. I was, this is back in 1983, maybe 84, maybe 83. Um, I was a janitor at a church in Oklahoma, and I always, um, to keep my mind out of the gutter, I'd meditate on Scripture, and it doesn't take a lot of brains to vacuum a floor. So I was vacuuming the floor. It was a big church. And I was in my 20s, and um, and this day I was uh, meditating on uh, Acts 1 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be witnesses to me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. And so I, I kept thinking, and the way you meditate, you just say it over and over again, but you shall receive power. So I just had that scripture and vacuuming the floor, you know, and picking up stuff. And, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit's. And, and then I kept saying it, and then, and then you shall receive that word power. Now I'd been to two Bible schools already at the time. And that word power came up, and I knew the Greek word for power has three English words that come out of it. The Greek word is dunamis, and dynamic, dynamite, dynamo come out of that word. And I knew that, and that kept coming in me. And that word dunamis, when I said power, you shall receive power, the Lord said inside, here's, here's what you need. If you'll get involved with God's word, he'll get involved with you. If you ignore his word, he didn't have anything to work with. But I was in the Word. I was meditating on Scripture while I was doing my little job, you know. And, and he said, Mitch, did you know that you have a dynamo in you? 
I said, well, well no, I, I didn't know. I heard that inside. I said, what do you mean? And, and, and here's what I knew. And see, God sometimes won't be direct. He'll be indirect when he's talking to you. So he'll, he'll hit several things in your life at one time. At the time, I can't tell you how dissatisfied I was spiritually. I'd been to two Bible schools. I was working for a church, not a ministry position, just a supportive thing, just really the ministry of helps. And, you know, I was a janitor, and that's what I did, and I was glad to do it. But, but God spoke to me and said, Mitch, you know, you have a dynamo in you. And I was so dissatisfied spiritually every day. It's like every day was just a drudgery. I said, what's wrong with me? And, and, and I was challenged with my flesh. I was challenged just with me. I was challenged just with living life. And he said, Mitch, did you know you have a dynamo in you? I said, well, no, no. And, and then I had, to, and that's all he said to me. So I had to go research what a dynamo is. A dynamo is a, is a motor and it, it turns. And when it turns, it creates electricity, right? So the principle of the dynamo over here at, a, at a, the nuclear plant, that's the principle. You've got nuclear fission, nuclear rods. They're emitting energy and they're boiling water and they, they call us in a turbine to turn and we've got lights and we've got the ambiance here. We enjoy the sound system and all the stuff. Because of that, well, that's the principle of the dynamo. A dynamo won't work unless an energy source is coming in. God said to me, Mitch, you've got a dynamo in you. I said... And I saw exactly what he was saying. I wasn't spending time with the Lord every day. I wasn't in the Word. I wasn't praying. Because of that, my spiritual life was blasé. And he was encouraging me. Mitch, let loose that dynamo I've placed in you. I've placed in you my spirit. I've placed in you, he was saying to me, as it were, I've placed my Word in you. I've placed my spirit in you. But you've got to hook up with me every day. Feed that energy source. That dynamo, that spiritual thing in you is not going to work unless you're cooked up with me every day. You've got to give that that motor some source some energy source some drive what is it the word it's my word it's the living word it's fellowshipping with me and y'all I'm, when I took that to task it was almost like daylight and dark spiritual things become more real to me than they ever had when I started getting up every day and doing some of the things that I've talked about today making sure that the word I put the word first in my day make sure that I read books make sure that I seek to practice what I'm doing and you know it just things begin to work together and here we are today and you know what I want to encourage you we're going into a really dark place in the world Jesus is coming back well I don't know how many people are talking about it right now I think we need to be talking about it more than we know how many know the second coming of Christ is looming before us yes or no how many believe the rapture of the church is in our future before all of that happens the world's going to become in lots of ways chaotic uh, in, in lots of ways and challenging and God's seeking now to prepare us for the days ahead of us so I've told you, I've got a book in my office. I just saw it uh, Thursday. Ready or not, here comes trouble. My encouragement is, as I conclude this series, do the things you need to do to keep your spiritual life really on because the day will come that you will need what Jesus can give you on the inside to be able to deal with the pressures on the outside. We never live further than what we have inside. How many hear me? So now is the time to develop ourselves spiritually so that we can grow and be all that God's called us to be.